When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence. Welcome to the official Wildcat Podcast, presented by Kansas Land Tire. Now, with almost 50 combined years on the K-State Sports Network, here are your hosts, Wyatt Thompson and Stan Weber. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Wildcat Weekly Podcast, presented by Kansas Land Tire. I'm voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, alongside his longtime color analyst for football and men's basketball, Stan Weber. And today's topic, the Wildcat basketball team. It's been a struggle of late for the Cats. We'll uh, review a couple of games here. Last Saturday, K-State lost a tough home game to TCU, 75-72. to And then a quick turn and a road game Monday night, falling at the University of Texas, 62-56. to And now the Cats have lost seven of their last eight. We'll also preview BYU coming up this weekend at home as K-State will be happy to be back home after that road trip to Texas and falling to the Longhorns. Stan, I guess we'll start with that ball game last Saturday. Boy, you know, when you lose at home, it really hurts, especially in this league. And there's one thing to lose, but another to lose like that. A Jameer Nelson three with 1.1 seconds left propelled TCU to a huge road victory in this league. Tough loss. Tough loss because K-State did what they wanted to on the last possession, played good defense, and TC was able to make a tough, tough shot. Credit Jameer Nelson Jr. for making that shot, and TCU gets out of there with a win. But the pain comes because it was a loss at home, Wyatt. It doesn't happen very much in Bramley's Coliseum, and it hasn't happened a lot in the Big 12 conferences. Some teams have been very good, and 
when you think back with less than eight minutes left in the second half, it's a back and forth game. Welcome to TCU basketball. They've been in games where they've been behind by 10 points and come back like nobody's business. So it's a roller coaster ride with them. But K-State still had a lead at a point in the game with about 12 minutes left. And then all of a sudden, TCU goes on a 20-2 run to turn things around and put themselves up by 10. Now, K-State pushed back and fought the last seven minutes of the game and had a chance. And everyone's thinking, hey, if we could just go to overtime, that's K-State's world, right? Never lost under Jerome Tang in overtime. Mm -hmm. But TCU hits that shy. But the the disappointing part was the 12-minute mark down to the seven-minute mark where K-State got outscored 20-2. to That's the kind of run you can't allow to happen in a home arena after you've done so many good things. And that was really the story of the game. That's where you lost the game, not in the last second shot. Yeah, very well said. The other thing that that stuck out, of course, was in a day where K-State shot uh, nearly 48%, you you still lose the game. And I think when you look at it, uh, you'd probably have to say Coach Tang would hang with that 20-second chance points for TCU. That was also a very, very, very big stat against K-State. Yeah, Texas Christian TCU went after the offensive boards uh, with just set such athleticism. It was pretty amazing to watch Micah Peavy put on one of his greatest performances ever. Every time a missed shot occurred for TCU, it seemed like his hand was right by the rim, almost in the goal, ready to tip it or grab it or keep it alive. And that allowed TCU to get the work there. And then K-State couldn't hit the three ball, Wyatt. That's another part of the story. Yep. When you kind of split every hair you possibly can to say, how did you lose a close game at home? Yeah, they made only one three-point shot. One of 15. The last time K-State made only one three-point shot in a game was November 9th of 2018 against Kennesaw State. So that was painful as well. There's these little things that occurred. TCU's playing good basketball. K-State had their moments, but they weren't consistent. And it also started a little bit of a trend that we'll talk about as we flow into the Texas game where Cam Carter, the best player for K-State, really wasn't a scoring threat in the ball ballgame, uh, didn't seem to play to his normal high level, tried to do a lot of things, but without his normal contribution, not making three-point shots, and TCU hitting that offensive boards, it all adds up to a close K-State loss. Then on the road on Monday night of this week to Austin, Texas, to play in the Moody Center, and the Longhorns hang on. 62-56. I say hang on. That may not be totally accurate because they led other than a 4-4 tie for the entire ball game. but K-State was right there. And again, you have some frustration when you have a chance on the road and can't pull it off. K-State was, you know, right there, but I just, at, at the end of the day, what sticks out to you about this loss? For me, it's, it's just, um, you know, you just don't have quite enough offense at the end of the day, and Texas was just a little bit better from three, too. Yeah, there's a couple things to stick out. One is I'll start with the transition I talked about with Cam Carter because he's been so good, so consistent, and plays almost 40 minutes doing so many things well. Wyatt, in these last two games combined, he scored only 14 points. That's less than his normal game average. So the fact that he was not able to – make Texas or TCU defend him the normal way that you have to and worry about him mm-hmm. makes it harder for other guys to open up. So it just kind of builds on itself here. Your best players have a lot of pressure to try to make plays. They're allowed to have some lulls. And why you're a baseball guy, you know, the greatest hitters in the world have 
little five game stretches where they're not a big factor and it's no big deal when you put it all together at the end of the year. And it won't be with Cam Carter, but that continued on. K-State struggled making the three ball, but that's looking at the K-State uh, part of it. Down the stretch, they did not make a couple of plays, an alley-oop and a layup. Wyatt should have been four extra points right at the end of the ball game. The K-State didn't execute on, and they really pride themselves on playing great basketball. The last minutes of the game or into overtime. They did it coming back against BYU. They did it coming back against TCU. They did it coming back against Texas. It's been a theme. But getting over the hump, they just made a couple of mistakes at the end. But I have to start with the lead, bold headlines for me. It wasn't about K-State. Texas has athletes, they have depth, they have experience. They're one of the few teams that has three starters returning from a team that went to the Elite Eight last year, Wyatt. Right. And they played great. I mean, I just thought that Texas came out with a passion uh, that we don't normally see every game. There are times when they play like that, and there are other times where you look up and say, how do they have a losing record in conference at home? You know, it just doesn't add up. But this version, I thought, was a very good version of Texas. Now, that's why they led the whole game. From Max Asmus becoming you know, the 12th all-time leading scorer in college basketball history as he hits the 3,000 mark. Tyrese Hunter, just a veteran starter and a returner. Dylan Mitchell, so athletic. How can you match up with that five-star McDonald's All-American uh, if he is going to go after the ball and play the way he did? And then Dylan DeSue right now, who hadn't played the whole year because he had some injury issues, Wyatt, is there anybody playing better offense than him around the country right now, ripping threes at a 55% rate and then hitting mid-range shots and, and doing other dirty work? And then they got guys off the bench all over the place. So I just thought Texas dictated the game, were the better team, and K-State trying to fight uphill almost got it done. I wish you would have had it back a few plays down the stretch or David Gasson played so great, but mm-hmm. he struggled at the free throw line, left a few points right there. I mean, it, it, you can always look internally from a K-State perspective of what you could have done better, and I think that's where you have to look. But I do have to give credit to, for Texas. I just thought they played a very, very good game. Yeah, so well said. You mentioned David Gasson. Let's talk about David briefly because he's kind of been taken out of that starting lineup over the last five games, and yet, boy, he's really responded to that, Stan. 8.2 points per game, 5.2 rebounds. He's shooting 63%. He's been better at the foul line. And just the energy is, is for me, what stands out. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts of what David has done here of late. He has really played clean basketball, number one. You know, K-State's a basketball team. Wyatt, that has turnover problems, right? I mean, uh, 338th or so in the country. You think about that. And then you think about David Gasson when he comes in a ball game against Texas, for instance, no turnovers, got to the foul line seven times, was five of eight from the free throw line, uh, seven rebounds, his hustle plays, his offensive rebounding timing, his defense, uh, guarding guys. When they would do ball screens, what do people want, Wyatt? They want to get a guard on your big guy. They want your big guy to switch, and then they get the work and either get it to the big guy with your little guy on him or drive past him, open three, not with David Gasson out there. He, he can guard those small guys. And his length starts to engulf them, and he keeps his knees bent, and he can move with quickness. And his intensity and focus is just really, really keen right now. And I think that deserves a great compliment because you mentioned that he doesn't start. So how does a person humble himself and say, that's really no detriment to me. I'm still going to get my 30-plus minutes and be a key factor for this ball club. I don't care if I start or not. Well, a lot of people's egos can't handle 
just that little statement. You know, I don't care if I start or not. Well, right. David Gasson, right. is, he cares about the team. He doesn't care who goes out on the floor at the first minutes of the game. And he's playing great basketball. I mean, he has been a constant making plays. When you think about some of the wins K-State had, him getting an offensive rebound and kicking it out to Tyler Perry. But in this stretch where K-State has struggled, and boy, have they struggled. We know that. The Cats have not won on the road in a long time. Six straight road losses. You've lost seven of eight, as you know, Wyatt. And he is playing at a high level through all of that. Could be such a fatigue on your brain of not being rewarded with wins. And he's not slowing down at all. And he is attacking every rebound he possibly can, trying to tip it, do whatever he can on defense, doing every little extra thing he can to try to help this team win. He's been really a star for K-State in the last few games. Well, as we all know, at this particular time, Kansas State is in a Saturday-Monday turn for the month of February in the Big 12, and we'll talk about that as K-State is at home on Saturday and Monday with BYU and then West Virginia. But first, we remind you, from the freeway to the field and everywhere in between, Wildcat fans trust the friendly folks at Kansas Land Tire and Service for all their tire and auto service needs. Visit thetirestore.com for the Kansas Land Tire nearest you well we saw BYU earlier this year stand out in Provo and I think we were needless to say both impressed with the fact that they have a team that is very balanced a deep team a smart team a good passing team it just kind of goes on and on and oh yeah one of the best three-point shooting teams in the land so K-State at home on Saturday at one o'clock with BYU certainly will be a challenge like they all are in this league I'm very impressed with BYU, and if you're just talking about a neutral floor, take out the home court advantage on either side, Wyatt, and look at what they can do. I'm very impressed with how they can play. They're finding their rhythm right now. They they have a unique system where they have two different centers. They don't play together, but they don't play alike. So it's like preparing for two completely different teams. And you got to hand it to BYU's other players. The other four on the court seem to adapt very well to each type of strategy. You know, if Khalifa comes in, he is going to go to the high post. He'll pop threes right in the face of the defender if you don't guard him. And if you do guard him, you create lane openings where people cut and spin and turn. And somehow he can stand there with all the traffic, literally bumping him in the hip as they go by. He decides where he's going to throw the ball. And it's accurate. It's on time. And a lot of times it's leading to a wide open layup. And then when Traore comes in, he's the most physical low post presence it's like seven seconds in the lane for him. I'm not saying he breaks the rules. It's just right. he plants himself right in the middle, right by that basket. And when he catches it, Wyatt, he doesn't get in a hurry. He takes his time, powers through you, and scores the basketball. And then they're a three-point shooting team with, with experience, obviously. We're not only talking about basketball experience. You know, these guys are usually a year or two older, going on missions for two years. So they're older guys. They really understand what they need to do. And they're adapting to the physicality of the Big 12. That was the real question. They can shoot the ball well, but would they get bumped off their spots? And that's starting to not occur. I think they're finally getting in a rhythm and playing Big 12 basketball very well. Just impressed with what we saw against K-State. I thought K-State did a nice job coming back and giving themselves a shot. But, man, BYU was functioning at a high level. And the last game, 14 three-point makes against Baylor and constantly in control of that game. Baylor was always fighting back from five down to try to tie the game, try to get over the hump, and it just wasn't happening. BYU was great all game long. So you got a very hot team coming in. So will BYU 
not function at their normal level in Bramlage Coliseum. Hopefully the crowd will help that happen and make some things happen. Because remember, BYU lost at Oklahoma State recently. So which version of BYU are we going to get? That's going to be a big question. No doubt about that. Wildcats also at home on Monday night to play host to the Mountaineers of West Virginia. We'll have coverage starting at 5. And I guess it pretty much goes without saying it's been an odd and strange and tough year for West Virginia. Of course, no Bob Huggins now. Josh Eilert is their interim head coach. And Josh, of course, has Kansas State ties. They did beat UCF the other night. So uh, that was a much-needed win for them. They're a, a talented team, though, man. You have to take them really seriously because with Jesse Edwards back, you know, they've got their seven-footer at the rim to go with other standout players like Kirk Creasa, guys like Raekwon Battle. So even though it's been a tough year, they do have talent. No no question about that. Yeah, no doubt, Wyatt. And I think if you look at the bottom of the conference, and normally when you have done that throughout Big 12 Conference play this year, and I proposed to you, if I had you just come evaluate them and watch them play and didn't tell you what year it was or what their position was in the standings, you would never think, that you're watching a team that's at the bottom of the Big 12 Conference. That's what's amazing about this year. Yeah, you may have national championship-type teams, maybe Houston, Baylor, KU, who knows, Iowa State. Maybe they can compete at that level. But I really think one of the great things about the conference that makes it so strong compared to the others is that there's no weakness with the weaker teams. I look at Oklahoma State and West Virginia, and as soon as you let your guard down, they beat you. Uh, Now, West Virginia's story has been they haven't been able to get over the hump on the road. It's a tough trip coming back west, and they got a long flight and all of that. But Josh Eilert's team at home has really good work in KU. So this team has talent. They they do not look like a last-place team. Obviously, they're getting used to the new coaching style. They're going to get better as we go down to stretch here. There's not a lot of time left in their season. They're getting more used to what Josh Eilert wanted after all those years of Bob Huggins, and you're starting to see it with that win over UCF. That was a tough game. But they made winning plays, were able to get the job done. They're just missing out on road wins. They've not won a game on the road. They're 0-6 in road games, and K-State does not want them to let that stat get away. Hopefully we'll add another road loss to West Virginia. But, yeah, you better be ready because talent-wise, they match up, and they're a little explosive in the way that they play. I mean, they're a little wild and crazy, and they go on 8-0 run faster than you can imagine because – They'll take shots. They don't waste a lot of time and try to make that extra pass sometimes. They got guys who want to go score. Very interesting weekend and into Monday coming up for the Wildcats at home against 25th-ranked BYU Saturday at 1. We'll have it for you on the K-State Sports Network starting at noon. The game can be seen on Big 12 Now, ESPN+. And then Monday night, West Virginia here for a 6 o'clock game. We'll have coverage on the network starting at 5 with the pregame show. Our Wildcat Weekly Podcast, as always, presented by Kansas Land Tire. For Stan Weber, I'm Wyatt Thompson. Thanks so much for listening, and go Cats! This has been the official Wildcat Podcast, presented by Kansas Land Tire. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the K-State Sports Network.